Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Neverland Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Do not forget that you can get a free audiobook download at www.audibletrial.com slash Podcast. The Neverland Podcast 21. Welcome to Neverland. Take a start of the right straight until morning. Alright, welcome back. Grab your pixie wherever you've been keeping her, hopefully in a nice comfortable pocket where she can ride along and watch what you're doing. Uh, your pixie is keeping an eye on you, trust me. Uh, it's a, kind of a little bit of a watch program I have going on to keep you out of trouble. Uh, but anyways, pull out your pixie. I am your host once again, Jeremy, and I will take you on to Neverland with the help of your pixie. Sprinkle her around, get you some happy thoughts. And here's a happy thought. Today, as I'm recording this, it is Free Comic Book Day, and the day that I'm going to release this, it will be May the 4th. As in, May the 4th be with you. Star Wars Day, it is the ultimate geek weekend, and I have about as much content for you as you can shake a stick at. Uh, we, I, I took a recorder with me as I went around to a couple of comic book shops. Didn't get a whole lot of content necessarily there, uh, but I'm going to have for you a review of The Amazing Spider-Man 2, both the video game, and the movie, and that that review will cover both the good and the bad of both. Uh, and then also because May the Fourth, I'm going to share some very special Star Wars content with you. But before we get started with that, uh, I do have a few bits of news that I would like to share this week. Uh, Ephraim Symbolis Jr., who was the voice of Alfred in the Batman animated series, has passed away at the age of 95. Uh, very sad to see him go. He was a great, and wonderful Alfred. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man Two opened to 35.5. $5 million on just Friday alone. Uh, so it sounds like it's going to do very well uh, as far as monetarily. Everybody, of course, is going to uh, go out there and check that out. And so it's going to make money even if... Uh 
Uh, the critics have been kind of rough about it. Uh, Matt Smith has joined the Terminator reboot in a major role. Of course, now there's not really much for details on this. He's going to be playing a new character with a strong connection to John Connor. Uh, and But that's about all we really know about it. So, yeah, details are a little bit sketchy, but how cool. Matt Smith going to be in the next Terminator film. Disney Infinity, with a heck of a pretty good press conference from some video footage I've managed to see, uh, Disney Infinity 2 was launched, was announced officially uh, with a special special conference. They had some video with Samuel L. Jackson as Nick Fury. Uh, Clark Gregg came out to introduce uh, different people from Disney Interactive, but they've officially announced the Marvel superheroes will be kind of, a, I guess, a main feature with, it, with the uh, the starter pack. Uh, the uh, the main characters that they've shown so far uh, that is going to be available is pretty much all of the Avengers from the Avengers film, and the first playset will be an Avengers playset of sorts. Uh, also, now there was a bit of a teaser trailer that did tease Spider-Man, Green Goblin, Loki, Modok, and uh, a few others. So, uh, going to be quite a few Marvel characters. Uh, now, I am hearing that all of your previous Disney Infinity toys or figures uh, will be can still compatible in the game, and so your platform that you've been uh, using uh, will still work. Uh, the only thing that's going to change, of course, is a new game disc and some new features, and some new characters are going to be available. Very excited about that. There goes a whole lot of my money coming up this fall. And, of course, we do have some kind of interesting Star Wars news. Uh, there's an app now for iOS platforms that's been announced by LucasArts, or LucasFilm, rather. Uh, and LucasFilm has to say this about the functionality of the app. It said, readers tap and swipe their way through the story of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, with a 180-degree parallax viewing experience, infinite zoom scene transitions, collectible character profiles, brand new art, and an unlockable hidden item. Uh, this announcement was actually kind of on the heels of the casting announcement for the new Star Wars Episode 7. Uh, there's actually been a pretty nice black and white photograph that actually shows the whole cast getting together, meeting together, uh, probably going over the script. Uh, but here's uh, a listing here. Actors John Boyega, Daisley Ridley, Adam Driver, Oscar Isaac, Andy Serkis, I bet he's playing an alien, uh, Domhnall Gleeson, and Max von Sydow. We'll join the original stars, uh, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, Mark Hamill, Anthony Daniels, Peter Mayhew, and Kenny Baker in this film. Uh, so, yeah, we're very excited. You know, the full casting has now finally been released. Uh, they're expecting to open the movie worldwide December 18th, 2015. And, of course, we are all very excited to see what comes out of this. All right, if you are still paying attention to the upcoming Fantastic Four reboot movie uh Here's just some interesting news. Tim Blake Nelson has Nelson, sorry, Tim Blake Nelson has joined the cast of Fantastic Four. Uh, he's going to be playing a scientist who eventually becomes Mole Man. Uh, the odd thing is, is I'm not sure what they're titling this movie, but they decided they're not going to title it the Fantastic Four, and they're not even going to refer to the team as the Fantastic Four. Because let's face it, they're really not making good a uh, Fantastic Four movie. Much Ado is being made out of the rating for X-Men Days of Future Past. It's, of course, got a PG-13, but one of the classifications being listed as the reason for a PG-13 is the indication of nudity. Now, normally I think nudity pushes you past a PG-13 in most cases, but I think in this case what they're probably dealing with is the fact that you know, Mystique, frankly, is running around naked the entire time. So I don't know if this is really anything for parents to get concerned about, uh, but we'll just keep an eye open, I guess, for that, and who knows what we might uh, see. <laughs> 
Now here is some very interesting news. There's going to be a trailer for Lucasfilm's upcoming Star Wars Rebels uh, on Sunday, May the 4th, Star Wars Day. Uh, now this is, of course, it's going to be part of uh, LEGO Star Wars The New Yoda Chronicles at 7 o'clock uh, Eastern Time. Uh, uh, this will be on Disney XD, so go ahead and set your DVRs now. Uh, I know I'm going to have to do it, but yeah, there's going to be a, a, a bit of a 30-second sneak peek. Uh, well, I guess the 30-second sneak peek of the trailer has already been released on May the 2nd. Uh, Good Morning America has aired it, uh, but there will be a full trailer. Uh, and there's also been some images released for Star Wars Rebels. Uh, May the 4th, once again, that's going to be 7 o'clock Eastern Time, uh, 6 o'clock here in Central Time where I'm at on Disney XD. Uh, go set your DVR so we'll take a, get a good, good look at this. Plus, uh, another LEGO Star Wars uh, cartoon is definitely worth watching. Those have been a lot of fun. I've rather enjoyed those myself. All right, now there is a, uh, a lot of news, really, that I could kind of cover, but I am limited on time. But I do want to jump out here to uh, get some quotes uh, that, uh, from uh, Death of Wolverine writer Charles Soule and artist Steve McNiven. It's going to be a four-issue miniseries coming out this September. Uh, you probably better reserve it over your local comic shop. This thing's going to sell like crazy. Uh, but uh, executive editor Michael March says, For a long time, no matter who Wolverine was battling, his, he's been the eternal victor. He's always come out, he always comes out, almost always, sorry, he almost always comes out on top. Now he finally comes up against an adversary that he cannot win against, he cannot fight. What does that mean for this character who's been around for 100 years? And then uh, the writer Charles Soule says he's reflecting on his own life as, as he's reflecting on his own death. We wanted to have the reader do that at the same time. In each issue, we're focusing on a different aspect or a different quintessential Wolverine. Uh, so I, apparently uh, Wolverine has already been robbed of his healing factor in his monthly title. And a lot of that is going to come to a head, so I guess he is officially killable now without his healing factor. So I guess he's going to just find somebody who's just a little uh, tougher than uh, he can handle. So I guess he's not always the best at what he is, because I guess somebody's about to go up that's better. All right, but that's all we have for news today. Uh, like I said, there is a lot of other stories that uh, are out there, but I really kind of got to get moving to some, some major content. So, well, the first thing that I want to do is I'll go ahead and I'll give you a quick re review of the, uh, the Spider -Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 for PS3. I went ahead and picked up myself a copy. Uh, I was pretty excited for this game, as you might recall from last week. Uh, but I, I must say uh, I'm a bit disappointed with the game. Now, if any of you actually played the Amazing Spider-Man game from the previous film, it is very similar to that. Uh, Frankly, though, Beanox hasn't made an outstanding Spider-Man game uh, compared to what you know. Treyarch did a pretty good job of making Spider-Man games, in my opinion. I, they were they don't always go over well with everybody, but I rather enjoyed them. Uh, Beanox, so far, they had like one really good one, uh, Web of Shadows, that was more comic book based that I really enjoyed. Uh, the Amazing Spider-Man game was not bad, but Amazing Spider-Man Two, they tried to really step it up with uh, this hero or menace mode and this is the key frustration I have had with this game I have not played through the entire thing I, I, I'll, I'm still gonna play through it I you know it's still a spider-man game but this has been the major frustration is random uh, events you know crime or a fire or a car chase or whatever will happen on the map at various times and there's always at least five or six of these things going on 
you can only be at one place at a time. So you swing as fast as you can to get over to one to try to deal with that incident. And while you're dealing with that one, each one of these events can expire. When an event expires, it pushes you towards the menace side on this hero or menace mode that they made a big deal of. When you succeed at, at, at one of these, you get pushed toward the hero side. Now, uh, these some of these events are timed events, like when you go to uh, a fire and you're trying to rescue people from a burning building. You can go inside. You have to use your spider sense to locate the people because it's smoky. Uh, but let uh, this is something that actually happened to me. I had grabbed the third and final... Uh, well, I, I guess victim is the word, of the fire, and had got them out of the building, and they were safely in my care, and I was just taking them over to the fire trucks. But my time expired, and I was considered to have failed the mission. Now, this doesn't make any sense. The person was safe with me and out of the burning building. So that's kind of uh, irritating. Um, now, and here's the other thing. When you enter one of these events, whether you win or lose the event, there will be a news footage thing that will jump up and, uh, oh yes, everybody loves Spidey because he just saved us from these criminals. Or there'll be a J. Jonah Jameson, see, he should not be interfering with firefighters because he's just getting in the way. But every time you have an event, you will be interrupted on the gameplay with one of these big newsreels. You can skip these, but you cannot just flat out turn them off. It is a big waste of time. It gets very annoying, and it is a pretty much constant. Now, here's the other thing. You have a main mission you are trying to accomplish, an objective to advance the story of the game. You are so busy trying to fulfill all of these events to try to maintain your hero status that you don't really have time to do the photojournalist type of things that are supposed to be these interesting story where you're actually following the story of uh, the CK known as the Carnage Killer. Uh, we all know CK stands for Cletus Cassidy, and every time you take a picture of where he has signed one of his murder scenes, you get a little bit more of his story. And I do enjoy the character of Carnage, and it is a build-up to Carnage, uh, where in the world is Venom, because you have to have Venom before Carnage, but that's another issue. Uh, so, But you want to go and take these photos, it's... And but you're also having to rush around to try to be in six places at once. Five of them being an event and the uh, sixth one being the next objective to advance the story. And even though I'd put all kinds of effort to maintain the highest hero level I can, when I went in and played into a story objective, when I came out of the story objective, I was a menace. Now I don't know if that was for the story's sake because there was like a task force assigned to attack me anytime I'm a menace uh, that uh, was put together by Oscorp and Wilson Fisk. So that's about to become very annoying because it's hard to maintain your hero status if you're constantly having uh, these time limits you know, go out to what, because you didn't arrive on time to do anything. Uh, you're not Superman here. You're Spider-Man. You can't move the speed, of a, uh, the speed of a speeding bullet. I know that sounds a redundant sentence, but yeah, I'm so far I'm very frustrated with this game and very disappointed. Uh, even the combat is kind of, it's not very fluid. It feels clunky. They tried very hard to make it, I think, similar to the, uh, the current Batman Arkham game series. Uh, with a free-flow combat that is just wonderful. Uh, but, yeah, it, it doesn't work out as well. But, yeah, they have an excuse here with this because you do have spider sense to be able to warn you that somebody's attacking, so you should be able to counter it. Uh, but it does it just feels clunky. It just doesn't seem to flow very well in a very acrobatic Spider-Man style. It, it, it seems they tried too hard. 
But that was also a problem I had with the previous game. It just doesn't seem to be very fluid in the combat. Uh, so overall, I'm pretty disappointed. Uh, it's you know it is kind of fun. If you're a big Spider-Man fan, you might actually enjoy the game. But overall, I I, I really think they tried too hard and they could have done better. So overall, uh, I would rent it, or I you know I would not pay the full price for this game at this point. I might rent it or maybe wait for it to hit the $20 price range if you are really, really just wanting another Spider-Man game. Uh, I really hope Activision finds another company to maybe make these other than Beanox because Beanox is just not doing a very good job. All right. Now, I have some reviews for The Amazing Spider-Man 2 film. Also, it was free comic book day, uh, so I have a series of recordings I've recorded throughout the day, and I'm just going to put them all up, and you'll get to hear a little bit about free comic book day, and then uh, we'll move on to The Amazing Spider-Man 2 movie. So here you go. Okay, Neverlanders, it is free comic book day, and we are making our first stop. We're at a vintage stock over here, and I normally have my nephew with me, but today we have Heather with me. Hello. Hello. And she's not all that enthused about this, but there's a Hello Kitty comic. You'll be happy for that. Mm-hmm. Yep, she's not going to be talking to... F- <laughs> but here we go. Well, I think I got about all the freebies I really wanted to do. You probably don't have to make any other stops. Well, no, I do. I'm going to go in, uh, in about 20 minutes try to interview Daryl Woods when uh, another shop opens. I do like to visit this other shop, though, because he's kind of a small store. And, of course, I've already spent some money. I found Amazing Spider-Man number one, which has the re-release where Peter Parker is back. Found a few Disney Infinity Power discs, but let's see. What all kind of goofy stuff did we see in there? Oh! Let's see. You spent some time looking for some anime and uh, looking at the, uh, the pop. Uh, I don't know what else they call it. The little pop figures. What all kind of pop figures did you see? Um, there's all kinds. They've got, you know, Marvel folks, DC folks. You um, saw some Ninja Turtle characters. There's Ninja Turtle characters. Splinter and Shredder. Yeah, the Splinter and the Shredder. Splinter was cute. Um, Star Wars, like Princess Leia, um, Slave Leia. Yeah, so found a Slave Leia. Which is probably the most popular version of her. Um, so this is all stuff that wasn't free. I mean, we grabbed our freebies yeah. as well. Uh, they had cookies, actually, in this location. We didn't grab any because we just had breakfast. So, but, oh, my goodness, we found, let's see, you've got you a Hello Kitty, the Japanese version of Les Miserables. Oh, you found something with Avatar Last Airbender on it. What was on the yeah. other side? Oh, well, you liked Avatar Last Airbender, didn't you? So. Yeah, yes. Okay. Huh. What? Yes, Usagi Yojimbo. Yes, has his own comic book. Oh, he was right. not. A, he's not a Ninja Turtle character per se. He was actually a separate comic. And uh, let's see what else did you found. You went ahead and picked up this Courtney Crumrin, whatever that is, and uh, Jellabai. Anything that looks cute, and we grabbed you the Japanese history one. Some kind of cute stuff. I got some Disney Infinity Power oh, discs over here. One, yeah, that one I had to buy. This Amazing Spider-Man number one. But I found the Uncle Scrooge and Donald Duck. Uh, the, I grabbed the Street Fighter. Smurfs, uh, Steam Wars, which looks like it's a steampunk Star Wars kind of joke thing, so that should be fun. Cool. A SpongeBob comic, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and a Rocket Raccoon comic. That way I can familiarize myself with the movies. I found the Buck Rogers comic, uh, the Tick comic. 
Aren't you glad I found that section? Yeah, there was a whole section in there because I also found the Transformers vs. G.I. Joe over there that I was hoping to get. I got that Bleeding Cool, which is actually a website that they've got a little magazine. And then, of course, I did manage to get my hardcover of the free Mouse Guard, which has something from Labyrinth inside. I still can't uh, believe they give a hardcover away for a free comic book day. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the. I think it's at least the third year in a row I've managed to get a hardcover with Mouse Guard in it. So, mm-hmm. it's pretty good. I mean, really, the, the of course, the enticement is they give away all the free stuff to get you to come in, and you'll probably spend money when you're looking at things and i did i because well of course i wanted amazing spider-man number one anyway and then uh, I, I brought some uh, some duplicate power discs uh the unfortunate thing here at a vintage stock is i thought they would have the disney infinity power discs set out to where you could kind of pick oh i don't have this one and i don't have this one don't have this one and you could buy them individually but they're selling them in three packs for about you know two dollars and uh, i do see in the three pack, even though i got rid of three duplicates i gained a duplicate and uh, at least one duplicate uh, and the, the ones that I bought, but I went ahead and bought it, getting the duplicate because I got some, there some ones that I was missing. So, oh, the joys of trying to collect, and then it's all going to start over again. Uh, Disney Infinity Two officially was announced with all kinds of Marvel characters uh, launching with an Avengers play set, uh, and Spider-Man will be coming along shortly in that set as well. They actually had a big press conference thing. I'll try to see if I can get the audio to be able to share. But uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Clark Gregg were actually part of the. Uh, full announcement uh, for Disney Infinity 2 and they had a kind of a press conference thing. Uh, lots of fun there and everything. So guess what? Where that comes out in the fall, I'm going to have to save up a bunch of money and watch it all go away again. Yeah, you look totally amused. I'm just here. Yeah, as usual. Just here. I got my comic books. And you're happy. Yep. You're ready to go home. But yes. I got I got another stop. I'm going to go talk to Daryl Woods. He's known as Darth Artist and we're going to go to where he uh, usually sits and he draws. Uh, I think he's started doing things now kind of for free, giving me little sketches, but uh, we'll go talk to him about uh, any upcoming projects he has and about his website. Okay, well, so far it's been kind of a bust. I went over to uh, Bebop Comics and Games where Daryl Woods is supposed to be at, and he has not yet arrived. But uh, Heather's been out here reading her manga version of Les Miserables. What were you about to say about it? I was just saying it looks like this Udon Entertainment, um, they're going to put into manga... Um, literature classics, like they've got one for Pride and Prejudice at the front is Les Mis, but the back is Pride and Prejudice. Oh. That's something new you probably would want to collect, you wouldn't so, yeah, it's kind of nice. Yeah, I like Pride and Prejudice. I like Jane Austen. Oh. So now you found some new... See, part of the uh, the goal here with giving you away the freebies is that uh, you will get interested in the, these comics and then actually start purchasing them if you enjoy it. Uh, I did see something about, uh, I guess, Marvel's big summer event is something called Original Sin. I will hopefully maybe learn something more about that uh, that actually launches here fairly fairly quickly but I've been kind of out of the Marvel comic loop for a while because I did not like the whole Doc Ock is Spider-Man thing and so I've stepped away I did uh, while I was in this shop I found uh, the last issue of Superior Spider-Man where Peter Parker actually does come back yes those are my power discs there some of my power discs that I picked up um but I'm really thirsty, so I don't know if we're going to stick around here. I'll tell you what, I was expecting all this big coverage for Free Comic Book Day today, and it's really kind of fallen through for me. So, <laughs> we had a nice conversation, though, over breakfast yeah. that would have been good to record. Because your students were, um, had said you were um, discussing about the prequels or something. Yeah, my students um, are aware of, like, you know, may the fourth be with you, and so this week they were talking, and I just kind of heard them mention my name, and I kind of went over, I was like, oh, so you're talking about me, and 
they were saying that they they figured I like Star Wars, and of course I was like, well, yes, you know, I like Star Wars, and I made the comment that I like the original trilogy better than the prequels, and of course. Um, them kind of being the younger generation and what came out was the prequels. They liked the prequels so much better and, I, and they kind of made the, the comment that the old ones like didn't have the special effects and they were kind of boring and slow or whatever. And, and I told them, I said, you have to understand that the prequels, because of the, be, not because of the prequels, but because of the original trilogy, that was, you know, high tech at the time. And you know, it's because of those movies that they're able to have all of the, you know, crazy special effects and fantastic stuff that they see today. So, you know... Yeah, that was cutting-edge special effects back in 1977. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That changed everything. And they're still better stories. The, the original trilogy is still just better storytelling. Uh, we were talking about at Breakfast how, like, uh, if you compare the like the space dogfighting in the uh, original trilogy, it seems more character and story based, and you can kind of tell what's going on. And then you look at like the opening of Revenge of the Sith, and it's just a big cluster of explosion stuff, and you're kind of following along a couple things, but it it, it doesn't feel dogfighty. It just feels like, oh, look, there's this battle going around, and they they don't feel like participants in the battle necessarily. They're just watching things happen and. It just doesn't seem to, to pull you in like it should have. And I think the difference is, is because of the way that they made it. They In the prequels, you saw it from the big, from the outside, like the whole vast scope of things. But in the original trilogy, it was from the cockpit. So, like, you were in that pilot's position seeing, you know, the TIE fighters go by and all of the fighting from that perspective, whereas because of the advancements, we kind of went crazy with the special effects and we want to see all the explosions and all these big ships and all the stuff like that, but you can't follow that, you know, even, it's easier to catch on to the story and what's being told as if it's very, a little more simplistic. Yeah, we were commenting we don't like in Marvel film where they kind of have shaky cam problems because you can't follow the, the action very well. Uh, you know, we're, I guess we're kind of old school. You know, we like when there's some action, we want to be able to see what's going on. We want to say, hey, there's a punch in the face, there's a kick in the groin. You know, we want to kind of see the action and enjoy the whole story because there's some storytelling that can be done in the action. You know, we want to see it all and not shaking the camera around where we can't hardly follow. Hey, what just happened? Did, did he win the fight? Or what happened? Well, shaky camera makes me sick. Like, I can't do that for very long. Otherwise, I get nauseous yeah and so hopefully you know i don't think uh um jj abrams is really known for too much shaky camera stuff with the new star wars hopefully he's gonna because he was a fan of the original trilogy hopefully he's gonna make it as close to that as possible we already have heard him promise that he's not gonna light flare it so much like star trek (laughs) so i think he backed off a lot on this on the light flares with that second star trek movie he was allowed to make but he did a pretty good job of it i mean there's there's things that a trekkie could complain about that's for sure there always will be. I mean, no one's ever going to be completely satisfied if they're a big fan of something. Uh, so we're looking forward to what he does, and hopefully he takes more of a cue from the way the old ones were filmed. And uh, and just because you can do all your effects in a computer and you can do so much more, it doesn't mean you have to do as much as you possibly can because you can lose something in that. So, But yeah, we had a nice discussion about that uh, over breakfast. Mm-hmm. We had a very good breakfast. Well, we also, had, we also threw in the discussion the differences between like our generation watching the prequels and 
uh, like my students' generation watching the prequels. You know, we as growing up, that this was coming out, this was exciting. Like, you know, we had to wait three or four years for the next, one, you know, Star Wars to come out. And in the meantime, like, you have in your head, you know, created, like, how did Darth Vader turn? You know, how did all this, like, you, you have this, you know storyline of how it possibly could have gone down and when the prequels come out and it was so much more special effects and not as much story it kind of fell flat for us but for yeah, the, the turn of just suddenly no what wait a minute wait uh, okay what because all right because Padme's sick but mm -hmm. okay and you can't sweat or no whatever you know and for our students like they're seeing this you know like for the first time like they don't I don't know. It, it's just a different because that's what's coming out for them. That's what's the new and the shiny and the great. And so it's yeah. it's just a difference in the two generations. They just saw the prequels beforehand because I mean, really, he didn't seem like Darth Vader until he went and started striking down the younglings. And then you're just like, you jerk you. Mm -hmm. So then it's like that's the evil son of a gun that we want to see get his butt kicked at the end of this. Yeah. So, but it just it didn't seem to make sense that he would do that. He didn't seem that type of person. You didn't see it coming. The downhill slide from being good to bad was, was too sudden. It yeah, wasn't, he didn't. He should have been enough. sliding slowly into that direction instead of just suddenly, like on an impulse. Whoops! What did I just do? I just struck off Mace Windu's hand and sent him out the window. Whoops! I mean, you see signs, like you see these yeah. little incidents where, oh, that was kind of nasty. But you know, everybody has a temper, and you know, accidents happen yeah. or whatever. And you know, but that not not but a to real completely change his mind into a completely different person. It should have been kind of you know. Granted, the second one he acted like a jerk the whole time, and you're like, really, she's gonna fall for this creep? Yeah. So yeah, how? But the the kids, uh, that's what they grew up with. That's to them that is Star Wars. But I tell you what, if that had been how the stories were when it when they came out the first way, I don't think it would have succeeded. It would have crashed and burned, mm -hmm. and we wouldn't have the Star Wars phenomenon that we have today. But now I need a drink, so we're gonna go and get a drink. Okay. Okay, so now, uh, past free comic book day, uh, my wife and I have just come out of seeing Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm going to get the opinion of a few other people as well, but uh, we'll go over our, our own first. Uh, first, of course, we're going to be spoiler-free. Here, hold this, please. Yes, i got to drive. Uh, so we'll be as spoiler-free as we can. Uh, I will warn you when we're going to go and uh, start allowing a few spoilers. And I'll give you a cue to come out from spoilers by, I'll play a song or something, and then you'll know, okay, uh, no more spoilers. So, okay, overall, I'm going to say I did enjoy it. It was rather fun. Very kind of emotional type movie, I would say, wouldn't you? I cried. Yes, I heard you over there. It's uh, It'll give you a reason to cry. has a little bit of humor. Uh, pretty kind of compelling, suspenseful kind of you know mystery stuff, although, I, unfortunately, it seems a little um, tangled and messy. And a little hard to follow some of the uh, mystery elements at times. You know, with, with all the different storylines going on, they they kind of only seem to be joined by only one thing, and that's, you know, being somehow revolved around Spider-Man. Um, so, I mean, it's a, little, it's a little tricky, and it's not as fluid and everything as maybe I think it could have been, but still very enjoyable and everything, and it's still worth, you know, have a good time, and uh, I think you'll like watching it. Uh, there is definitely some stuff that uh, I think it's the uh, fans of the comics will kind of be expecting and will kind of go like, oh, at certain different mentions of names, which I'll talk about in spoilers. Um, but overall, as for just being a movie, it, you know, it's a pretty good, it's a, it's a good popcorn flick, lots of kind of fun. Uh, a little bit of shaky camera there at the very, very beginning. A lot of shaky camera I couldn't but, watch. Well, it's because you're, you're in the middle of a plane crash, and so it makes sense like Star Trek, you know, everything's kind of shaking around a little bit. Uh, but once things are on level playing field and level ground, it, that, that kind of goes away. Um, what do you think? 
Now I had a problem all the way, I mean the whole beginning part, I really couldn't watch most of it because of the shaky camera beyond the plane crash. I mean it was past that and like the first, you know, chase scene where they're going through buildings and stuff like that. All of that I couldn't follow because of too much shaky camera we're going up and down. And yeah. Well it wasn't shaking, it was just fast moving. A lot of fat, a few fast cuts. Uh, there was even a camera shot where it wanted to uh, give you a little bit of first person looking up, as if you were in a camera looking up from Spider-Man's stomach and he's swinging. Uh, they kind of did that, that kind of camera, which they kind of did at one point in the first Amazing Spider-Man film. Uh, they, yeah, they did kind of do that, and I was like, oh, Heather's probably looking away right now because it is. Well, it's like being on a swing and looking straight up. So that, yeah. yeah. It's not so much the, I mean, sometimes the heights bother me, like, because I, I don't like heights. But, no, it was just, after so much shaky camera, and then we've got flying to the city, and more shaking camera because of the flight thing. I just, no, that whole first part, couldn't watch it. Hmm. But overall, what would you think of the story? And Well, I thought it was okay. Um, I mean, I knew enough about the comic book, you know, from, and the like, so it, I thought it was predictable. I mean, like, okay, you know, th these certain things are going to happen. Yeah. You know. Um, but it was, yeah, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Um, it was kind of odd because the uh, the major villain was originally billed as being Electro. Electro's part in it is um, minor, uh, really, compared to uh, the developing story of Harry. Uh, which, well, I guess it's not a spoiler warning that he's kind of a... a uh, let's just say he got venomed a bit where you get to basically you get a story of Harry and you kind of follow him along. He's kind of a character and you kind of see what's happening to him. And then finally at the end, he emerges as a Green Goblin uh, very much at the you know the, the final bit there. Uh, it was you almost, want to spoiler that one? Well, uh, I, 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 there's nothing's really spoiling to say that he's there because basically if you've been listening to the podcast, you knew there was a Green Goblin. You knew he was going to be there. But yeah, he's, he doesn't show up until like that last final fight. Uh, and also, if you're sitting there, uh, hey, then they say Rhino was supposed to be in this. Uh, he is. I was starting to think he was going. He landed on the cutting room floor, but finally, at the actually the very end of the movie, he does make his appearance, and it's a pretty cool triumphant. And it does kind of put together the point of the movie. There's a very good theme to the film of uh, basically, you know, they they kind of leaned on the concept of what it, what effects it has to you if uh, you you really kind of feel like your parents abandoned you you really don't know why they abandoned you did they not even love you and you feel like you need to have that person to turn to when you get kind of lost and he's getting you know a lot of times Peter Parker he's getting confused and doesn't know what he needs to do next and he's like kind of reaching out like well I don't know who to talk to and he seems he really wanted to be able to talk to like his father and of course, his father wasn't there. And darn it, they gave me up. Now, why did they do that? And he kind of, you know, has some issues that have kind of come up from that. Uh, and there's also a running theme of, you know, uh, is there a point to him being Spider-Man? You know, and his his thought is basically is like, well, I'm inspiring hope. And it really kind of gets challenged throughout this with different incidents. Like, well, did I really do any good? You know, because did this? Does there, there's a big kind of incident, and it's like, well, did this have to go down this way? Did I? You know, I guess I, I helped there, but. I, this really went bad and it really shouldn't have uh, there's a lot of things like that so it's you, you kind of get this conflicting thing in his head like you know is he really doing any good and uh, in the end it kind of does kind of come back around it's like no you just you just keep going because you are doing some good and I think that's pretty spoiler free but that's kind of a running I think the theme that the like the lesson he's kind of learning through and the it movie. does tie to the first movie um, you know with the the death of Gwen's father um, you know, and how, how, uh, you know, that 
Peter's torn between I promise this, but I want to keep Gwen safe, and and that kind of plays into the whole, you know, do what do I do? You know, what do I keep doing the Spider-Man thing, or am I really doing any good with it? Yeah. Uh, there's even a question he kind of asks himself: How many people am I supposed to lose? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah. Okay, uh, there will either be a section directly now with uh, spoilers, or uh, you'll hear immediately after this, uh, if I get a chance to talk to a couple of friends of mine, uh, they all get their opinion on the film and try to keep them as spoiler-free as possible. But, uh, so listen, if I say spoilers, then immediately hit fast-forward until you hear some music. <laughs> Sound like a plan? It's a plan. Okay, from this point, if you want to avoid the spoilers, uh, when I start this next recording... Skip ahead about 15 minutes, and then you will hear uh, a little bit of music, and then I'll run my uh, my uh, special content for you. Okay, here's the spoilers. Hit fast forward. Spoiler, 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 spoiler. Okay. Now, uh, in the comics, typically you would have expected, uh, you know, Max Dillon was kind of a bit of a crook in the beginning. Uh, and, well, this, they went with a kind of different angle with Max Dillon. He's a very, it's very interesting. He's kind of kind of nuts. In the beginning, with, yeah. yeah, you kind of feel bad for him. He's very much a sympathetic character, uh, and how he becomes electro by you know this accident instead of being a guy who's you know working power lines and gets struck by lightning, they uh, made it more dramatic, I'd say, and yeah. mix it in with Oscorp and everything. Uh, but it seems his overall motivation is just quit ignoring, paying attention to me, and it's kind of sad actually. His first thing in Times Square, he's just. He doesn't want to be a problem. He has a hard time controlling these weird powers he's got, and he's—it's—it's it's like his whole body and metabolism has changed, and he needs to feed on power. And the power kind of gets to—you know, like, oh yes, power is good. And he suddenly, you know, cameras turn on him in Times Square, and he's like, oh look, everybody sees me. And he was already a little nuts, a little bit uh, the Cable Guy, Jim Carrey style, a little bit uh, actually of. Uh, the Riddler in the Batman Forever, how he's co- totally obsessed with somebody. The guy has like a Spider-Man obsession because Spider-Man saves his life, and then make, and then says, "Hey, man, I need you out here. You know, you can be my ears on the street. You're a good guy. You know." Uh, it says a bit much to a guy who's really just needing attention, and you know, boy, the guy just needed a hug. Uh, but things kind of get a little out of hand, and he's got all this inner anger, and they kind of flash at it at one point where he's uh, talking to Alistair Smythe, which they just kind of call him Smythe, and they you know they briefly show him. Basically, you know, Smythe kind of tells him, you know, it's like, oh, no, we took your stuff or whatever. Basically, kind of ticks him off, and there's this quick flash where you think that Max Dillon has went and grabbed him up and said, you know, and throttles him a little bit. And then he flashes back to say, no, he didn't do that, but that's what he wants to do. So you kind of get the things like he's got all this anger that he's just not really free to let out because he's kind of, like, you know, weak and kind of helpless. But suddenly you give somebody like that power, and that anger bursts out. And next thing you know, he's lashing out at everybody and everything. When, uh, but you kind of get the feeling like, man, I, I really wish that could have gone better, you know. Like, it, and that, I think that kind of fits though with Spider-Man because you, you kind of get the, you know, that that kind of weighs on him, like, you know, because he tries to talk to Max, like, hey, buddy, you know, hey, um, yeah, I, we, I, I understand something's really wrong and we're really odd here, but yeah, you know, we can work this out here. Let's just stay calm and things just the tension kind of builds and something goes wrong and you know a, a sniper takes a shot at him and it just turns explosive. Uh, so it's really kind of sad. He's like, "Oh man, you could have, you know, you weren't you weren't such a bad guy, but it just all went nuts, and you got way too much anger, and uh, he gets a little power hungry there." Uh, so it's kind of a, kind of an interesting. You made him an interesting character, but really, it's like 
other than that bit of the beginning, probably probably within the first half hour, he's had his major thing at Times Square, and then he kind of disappears. You get a little bit of him over at Ravencroft. Yes, Ravencroft, Dr. Kafka, Dr. Ashley Kafka. You know that woman in the comics? She's a man, and she's actually just testing his powers and not actually trying to help him like she would if she was in the comics. I mean, like, all that crazy scientists were going to dis- dissect you and find out how you work, kind of. Yeah. Know? Basically, because they had it where Oscorp was in control of Ravencroft, so they were just experimenting on him and just wanting to learn his powers. And so it was kind of weird and weird and different. It's like this is not well. I guess maybe they were afraid to get compared with Arkham Asylum. I don't know because it's become a familiar thing. I think with some of the Batman films, they you know, and, and the animated series. I don't know, but that is kind of what Ravencroft is. So it was kind of odd, but it made him a kind of an interesting character, but you're also kind of like, Max, you can do better than this. You don't have to, why are you doing this? You don't have to do this. You know, and it's kind of, it kind of goes bad for him. You kind of feel bad for the character, but then once, he, you know, the second time he's out and he's just, just, uh, you know, screw you all and you're all going to die and he's killing people right and left. You're like, I'm sorry, you got to be stopped now. It's done. You, you've made your choice now, Max. So very interesting. Um, something actually also kind of a bit predictable, um, Gwen Stacy, you knew if Spidey didn't keep away, something was going to happen to her, didn't you? Yeah. So, uh, I don't know how spoiler heavy I want to be. I'm hoping if you went, if you're listening this far, then you've seen the movie. Uh, but they did. It's kind of funny how she kind of makes her choice. Though, so they try to make it kind of, kind of okay that it's not really Peter's fault. Although he did tell her, said, "Look, no, I can't protect you this way." But uh, when she shows up to want to help, she's very much, no, I chose to do this and everything. It was that point when she said that, I said, you're going to be dead here by the end of this, aren't you? Well, you know she couldn't have lasted very long, especially if they were if they were deciding to follow the comics. Yeah, which um, they kind of sort of are. It's more based off of the Ultimate Comics a little bit more than it is the regular line uh, with how they look of the characters. Although they did kind of find a way to put uh, the Green Goblin in kind of a Power Ranger suit, but now they gave an excuse for it. You know, it's augmenting his, you know, it's like a strengthening suit, so he gets to have some of his powers that he didn't get. Yeah, and um, when the Goblin did show up, it it seemed very forced. Like they just wanted to kill Gwen, so they said, we need a Goblin. Yeah, and well, the, I mean, the the actor had the look of it. I mean, just the, you know, the pointed face, the little narrow eyes. I mean, like you could tell, like he's up to something. Just the look of the person that they cast for it. But then when he shows up and he's trying to act like the goblin, it didn't really fly for me. It's just kind of, I mean, it, you're supposed to be able to suspend reality when you're watching it. But like that, totally. Oh, you're a guy in a suit with makeup on. I mean, like that. That's the way that it seemed like to me. Rather than, ooh, it's the Goblin. So I was a little disappointed with, with that reveal part mm-hmm. of it, which I think they were trying to be more, you know, dramatic about it. And, you know, here he is, and, and you know, we know what he's going to do. Yeah, I think I think they were afraid of repeating too much what was already been done by Sam Raimi in those films. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like, oh, look, yeah, we know this character came back, but we want to reuse the Goblin so he can kill Gwen. So... Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but, but that's why it was very Venom-like because you kind of see him building into a kind of a villainous character already. I would like to have maybe had him established to be a friend, you know, in a film before they maybe pushed him over the edge. Because uh, they, they do have Norman in there and they do kind of, you know, he's green-skinned when you see him. So it's almost like, oh, yeah, he's kind of a goblin. And then they let him die, uh, which I was kind of hoping he was going to be behind the whole thing. They do tease a lot of characters. Uh, did anybody catch his uh, you know, Norman's assistant who and becomes the assistant to Harry? Her name is Felicia. They didn't ever give her last name, not even in the credits, but I guarantee you that's probably Felicia Hardy because why else would you call somebody Felicia? 
So and she uh, has black hair. Black hair. I mean, well, hair. she should actually be more white headed, but you know, you well. can have a white hair wig that you use, and so. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, I was I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more hinting of her becoming the black cat, and also I, I mentioned Alistair Smythe makes an appearance, played by uh, what's my jigger from uh, The Office, and also uh, he played um, uh, no, he played Robert Sherman in uh, Saving Mr. Banks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm hoping that means he'll will be back in full Spider Slayer mode because he was kind of a weasel anyway. So it fits. I'd like to see him come back. I'd like to see Felicia come back as a black cat. Who knows what all they're planning? Now here's a weird spoiler thing. I hope you stuck around into the credits because all of a sudden, right in the middle of the credits, we got an X Men kind of preview with Mystique. Which now there was, you know, I know they there was some talk that oh we really wish that we could kind of mix the X Men and Spider Man so we could kind of do what Disney's doing. Well, it looks like they're trying to find a way. Uh, if you didn't stay for the credits and see this, then okay, go back and watch the movie again just so you can watch the credits, just so you can be sitting there going like this, you know what? That's a, that was the big X Men. That's the Danger Room uh, door. What in the world? You know, and this is a Fox licensed property. So yeah, very strange. Um, anything else we want to comment on that would be a spoiler? No. No, I, I think that pretty much covers our spoiler kind of thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, it was very odd how they did the, the Goblin. Uh, I really wish they kind of did it a little bit more with Electro. Uh, and, yeah, I, I kind of was not surprised by them killing Gwen. Uh, but it, I did like the, the the bit of, you know, how it was like five months later and he'd kind of given up being Spider because it was just too rough. But I it, it, it that's how Spider-Man's life is. Uh, basically, people around him die, and he always has to deal with things, and that's... So I'm kind of glad that they kind of had the guts to do that because that's kind of really tough stuff. But that might be just what a lot of the critics have been kind of upset about other than the fact that it's a little... All the tangled webs of, you know, trying to trying to put together, well, why is he doing that? And you kind of say, okay, well, I kind of get this. He's got this abandonment issue, and he really wants to know why. And so he does get to find out why his parents had to leave. Um, so... But yeah, that's overall, you know, overall pretty much enjoyed it, you know, pretty good. And I'll probably go ahead and pick up the Blu-ray. I think they could have maybe done a little bit better. Uh, There was some stuff that was shown in some previews and commercials that ended up on a cutting room floor, apparently. But uh, overall, pretty good. I'd like to see some of the latest scenes maybe put back in just to see if it helped help things flow together a little better. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yep. Okay. Okay, so now we're here with Philip and Seth and we can get their kind of thoughts on the the main Spider-Man 2. Well, it wasn't necessarily amazing, in my opinion. It's <laughs> uh, actually but, what a critic said. Yeah, it, well, like, this I was not amazing. That. But uh, I, I don't know. There's parts of it I thought were, were okay, and I liked. I really liked his outfit a lot better than this than any of the other ones that have been made. Uh, but I don't know. It was. Uh, I was a little disappointed in it, but for the most part, I don't know. Maybe I'm outgrowing the comic book movies, but I doubt it because I still love Captain America. <laughs> you know, so. Not every company's doing them as well as Disney is right now. Yeah, well, that's true. That's that's true. I loved Avengers and all that. So yeah. Uh, in this one, I, I thought the tone of it was back and forth and was kind of undecisive if it was a comedy or if it was serious or whatever. So at the end of it, I liked it th- that part of it. But for the most part, I thought it could have been better. But it also could be worse, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah, we saw Ban- Man of Steel and we also heard about Ben Affleck being cast as Batman. So it could be a lot worse. Yeah, yeah. But. Either way, so it, it, you know it's it's a Easter own. Yeah, that I, was very spoiler free. So yeah, <laughs> I can play this before the spoiler section. There you go, Seth. What did <laughs> you think thoughts? of this? Well, film? my thought process was it was kind of a story that seemed to be written by, well, someone with a childlike 
Like Man of Steel was. Like, here is a suit just conveniently placed as he's... <laughs> yeah. Dying. As he needs oh, it but there. his suit is right there for him. Yeah. yeah. Instead you... of gaining any goblin strength or powers, he has to get a suit to do it. Yeah. And wind up pretty much being a Power Ranger without his mask. This yeah. Time. Yeah. I, it's like they tried to blend in the, the Sam Raimi movies in with uh, trying to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, ten years ago, if somebody would have told me that Disney having the rights to Marvel stuff would have been better, I'd have laughed at them. But <laughs> I, frankly, I gotta say, the same people that are in charge of the Avengers and all that should be in charge of Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic Four. Yes, please. well, the next Fantastic Four will completely crash and burn. We know that for a fact, and so maybe then Disney will get their hands on it. Yeah. But yeah, this one. It had its it was, moments. It, but it, yeah, it was. I still liked it. It was not as good as the first. No, I didn't think it was. Yeah, and I, I think a lot of it was. I, honest to God, looked over at my friend and said, "Was the same director doing this as he did, as they did the first one?" Because really, it didn't seem like it. It almost seemed like Joel Schumacher got his hands on it yeah. or something. Well, it, it, it had the same feel as far as being consistent with the first one. It's, it's just uh, you had too many cooks in the pot as far as the writing department. Well, you know, because they were trying to do too many stories all at once. Yeah. They just they was too, too disjointed. Many to- too many tones. It was like because everybody's well, was, story was yeah. different. Well, it was definitely a lot more lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. The first Except one was, for Heather cried her way through the thing. That's not lighthearted. Well, the last of it. <laughs> the last of it. Well, but, she was but, crying when Aunt May was going and giving her speech. You're my boy. Well, see, that's see, so. that's what I think it was. Is more of a chick flip, really, than it was <laughs> yeah. a superhero movie. <laughs> oh, the part of the other. Well, was Mark Webb is actually his his claim to fame as an independent film that was a teen romance, and he was oh, apparently well, that, brilliant at it so much that they thought he needed to do it, and it kind of worked with how they did the first film. You could kind of get away with it, but this time around, you pretty much are kind of pushing Gwen Stacy away through most of the film yeah. and trying and then, to throw in other stories on I'm top sure of it. I'm sure Phil will probably agree with me when you see Jamie Foxx bumbling around the first part of it. Oh. I got that same feeling mm-hmm. that I had. The probably, cable guy? Well, the Batman Forever when you first see Jim Carrey. Yeah, like, exactly. I, exactly. He was he was Jim Carrey twice over. He was both Edward Nigma and he was the cable guy with yeah. the, the obsession he has over somebody that says, oh, I need you for something. Yeah. But he, Edward, he, he had was the Edward Nigma. He, he was he's an Jim Carrey. Edward, Edward Nigma. <laughs> when really, if they just stuck consistently, where he was an electrician who was actually kind of a crook before, who gets struck by lightning sense, while yeah. on a, on an electrical wire, they could have kept it that way. They had to throw it in and make it an Oscorp spin. But then they, it's like they didn't go anywhere. Whether they had him come out and it's kind of like when you feel the Times Square scene, you kind of think it didn't have to be this way. Why did it have to go this way? Yeah. I just it's, it's like whole, uh, it was like he was being forced. It's like, well, you're going to have to be a villain because that's what we expect. But they didn't establish him well enough in a villain direction. The biggest eye-rolling moment for me, crazy. the biggest eye-rolling moment for me was when he goes in there uh, to get a cold medicine wearing... You know, winter. Okay, stuff. we're we're shifting. Who we're talking about? We're talking about Spider Man at this yeah, point. Yeah, Spider Man. So he goes to get cold medicine. Yeah, wearing winter stuff and all. I was like, oh my goodness! I said this is like going kind of overboard cheesy. Yeah, that, that's they're they're, I, they're trying to show like passage of a lot of time here I guess. by showing a lot of consistent things or whatever. As if okay, now we've gone into fall and it's gotten cold again, and now we're going on to maybe another summertime. And because there, there's like an entire year that, that seems to transpire throughout the course of the film. Yeah. It just kind of keeps moving. Five until, months you know, within in less than five minutes at the very end. Yeah, at the very end of it, yeah, you have like, well, it's been five months of no Spider-Man. and Yeah. yeah. I yeah. hope that's not too big a spoiler. I can keep this outside the spoiler section. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, it's like they tried to fit too much time frame and too many different stories and didn't really knit them well together. But it was still fun. It well, reminded me of, of 
Spider-Man 3 in a lot of ways because there were so many villains and things put into yeah. like you were saying too much. And then suddenly at the last minute you get, oh look, a Green Goblin at the very end. Yeah, that that's what it, that part reminded me. And also, I kept saying... And it wasn't consistent villain. I mean, no. Harry kind of takes a slow build to become a villain. He kind of has to go crazy first. And no. then Electro is kind of dealt with in the first half hour of the film and you don't get him back until the end. But it's like Sandman. Yes. And, and, exactly. Uh, look out, look out, look out, look out, look out. We almost fine. had a battle of tears there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say the special effects were well done. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man's outfit, like I said before, that's my favorite outfit. And I liked that it actually kind of folded over as he'd move around. And even in the computer graphics, they kind of made the cloth theme to move around on him a little bit. I like that part. So he didn't look as plastic? Yeah. (laughs) That was good, but I I still prefer to be in Disney hands. Yeah, Yeah. one can only hope. Yep. Okay, now I would like to take this opportunity to remind you, the listeners of the Neverland Podcast, that Audible is offering you a free audiobook download and a free 30-day trial of their service. All you got to do is go to audibletrial.com slash neverlandpodcast, and then you pick out something like The Hobbit, Unabridged, or uh, perhaps the Kingdom Keepers series by Rick Riordan. I hope I'm saying his name right, and I hope I'm thinking of the right author. Uh, but go look for something you like. Whatever you want to hear, you can find it at audible.com. But you got to go to audibletrial.com slash Podcast if you want to get that free download and free 30-day trial. Uh, there's like over 100,000 titles you can choose from, and you can get it for your iPhone, your Android, your Kindle, or just any MP3 player. Uh, once again, that is audibletrial.com slash Podcast. Okay, now we've had lots of kind of fun Spider-Man stuff today, uh, but, you know, I am planning to release this on Star Wars Day, May the 4th, so uh, we needed to have some Star Wars content. So, without further ado, I'd like to share with you the old read-along version of Star Wars A New Hope. This is the story of Star Wars. You can read along with me in your book. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear R2-D2 beep like this. Let's begin now. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, the hope of freedom was kept alive by rebel forces fighting against the evil Galactic Empire. In a daring raid, rebel spies managed to steal secret plans to the Empire's ultimate weapon, the Death Star. But as the rebels raced back to their base, they were pursued by a powerful Imperial starship. (laughs) 
On board the small rebel craft, two droid units were knocked about as deadly laser bolts exploded outside. C-3PO, the taller, human-like droid, said to his companion, R2-D2, the Imperial Starship is getting closer. We'll be destroyed for sure. This is madness. We're doomed. Within minutes, dozens of Imperial stormtroopers boarded the rebel craft, firing their laser rifles. The helpless rebel soldiers could only surrender. Through the hatch strode a black-cloaked, helmeted figure, Darth Vader, the fierce Imperial warrior. Commander, tear this ship apart until you found those plans. While stormtroopers searched frantically for the stolen plans, the rebel leader, Princess Leia, called R2-D2 into a deserted corridor. Here, R2. I have placed the secret plans and a message in your memory banks. You and C-3PO must take an escape pod, land on the planet of Tatooine below, and deliver the plans to Obi-Wan Kenobi. He will know what to do. Only seconds after the two droids blasted off, Princess Leia was captured and brought before Darth Vader. How dare you attack us, Lord Vader? We are on a diplomatic mission. Don't play games with me, Your Highness, answered Vader. You are a part of the Rebel Alliance. On the Death Star, you will tell us where your secret base is. Come. Meanwhile, below on Tatooine, a young lad named Luke Skywalker was yearning to join the rebellion and soar through the galaxy fighting the evil empire. But Luke felt he should stay and work on his uncle's struggling farm. How could Luke know that the key to his dreams was only a few miles away? The two droids had landed with the plans. R2 and 3PO were soon picked up by Jawas, a band of small desert scavengers. The Jawas took the droids to Luke's farm, hoping to sell them for a good price. Luke looked the droids over. Okay, we'll take them. Follow me, you two. I'll clean you up in the shed. As Luke scraped the dirt off R2, he accidentally triggered Leia's message. Her projected image pleaded. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. Luke was puzzled. I wonder if she means old Ben Kenobi, the desert hermit. Uh, come on, you two. Let's go see him. Old Ben was full of surprises. Yes, my boy. I was once called Obi-Wan Kenobi, back when I was a Jedi Knight, like your father. My father was a Jedi? Asked the startled youth, remembering stories about the noble knights who kept the peace before the Empire took control. Yes, Luke. And this was his lightsaber. I've been saving it for you. Ben handed Luke a sleek cylinder. At the touch of a button, an intense beam of light shot out to form a glowing blade. This is the weapon of the Jedi. Your father was killed by a treacherous pupil of mine named Darth Vader. According to the princess's message, Vader will soon be using the Death Star to destroy rebel planets. Luke, for the sake of your father and the Rebel Alliance, 
You must help me deliver these secret plans and stop Darth Vader. I will teach you how to use the Force, the power which gives the Jedi his strength and skill. Luke eagerly agreed to help. Very good, Luke, smiled Ben. Now come. Stormtroopers will soon be looking for you and your droids. We must find a pilot who will take us to Princess Leia's home planet of Alderaan at once. Their search began in a local tavern filled with strange alien creatures. In a dark booth, Ben and Luke located a brash smuggler pilot named Han Solo. Sure, I can get you to Alderaan, but it'll cost you plenty. Smuggling rebel sympathizers through Imperial blockades is no picnic. Han's co-pilot, Chewbacca, a shaggy eight-foot Wookiee, roared his agreement. Luke, Ben, and the droids boarded Han's ship, the Millennium Falcon, with stormtroopers hot on their trail. Only Han's skill as a pilot put them safely out of the Empire's reach. But as the Falcon neared Alderaan, Han couldn't believe his eyes. Look, the planet's gone. It's been blown to bits. This is Darth Vader's work, said Ben sadly. Vader's huge battle station, the Death Star, was lurking nearby and had detected the Falcon's presence. Let's get out of here! shouted Han. Chewie, the controls aren't responding. We're caught in a tractor beam. It's pulling us right into the Death Star. Quick, everyone, into this secret compartment. When we land, those stormtroopers will think the ship's empty. Meanwhile, Darth Vader was questioning Princess Leia in her prison cell. Where is the secret rebel base? You'll never learn that from me, snapped Leia. Your cruel destruction of Alderaan has only strengthened my loyalty. Vader angrily turned to leave when suddenly he stopped. I sense a tremor in the force. There is a presence. Yes, Obi-Wan Kenobi is here. I feel it. In the meantime, Luke, Han, and Chewbacca had come out of hiding to find Princess Leia and release her. She had expected a different rescuer. Where is Obi-Wan Kenobi? He's trying to shut off a tractor beam so we can fly out of here, said Han impatiently. Now let's move it! There go the alarms! shouted Luke. Hurry! Stormtroopers raced after them, filling the air with laser fire. Luke, Han, and Chewbacca fought back bravely, but they were hopelessly outnumbered. I never bargained for this, complained Han between blasts. Hit for the Falcon! Ben succeeded in shutting off the tractor beam, but his return to Han's ship was blocked by Darth Vader. So, we meet again, Obi-Wan Kenobi. This time, I will destroy you. If you do, Darth, I will only grow stronger. The two warriors lit their lightsabers. 
A furious battle began. The air hummed and sparks flew as lightsabers swung and clashed. Finally, Darth's saber cut through Ben's cloaks. But the old Jedi was no longer there. He had vanished. Luke and the others dashed aboard the Millennium Falcon as Han leaped to the controls. Okay, Chewie, hit it! Engines roared, and the Falcon shot out of the docking bay. Han hollered to Luke. Get to a laser cannon, kid! We've got four Imperial TIE fighters chasing us! Luke, still stunned by Ben's disappearance, managed to fire the cannon repeatedly until he and Han had shot down all their pursuers. Leia directed Han to the secret rebel base, where she turned over the stolen plans. After much study, the Death Star's weak spot was found. Rebel pilots had to hit an exhaust port with their proton torpedoes, but the rebel forces were pitifully small compared to the might of the Imperial Legions. The rebel commander was happy to accept Luke's help, and the young warrior joined the bombing run as an X-Wing pilot. The rebel squadron flew toward the terrible Death Star. Luke thought, Even if we're not shot at, zeroing in on that tiny target will be practically impossible. Heads up! Called the squadron leader. TIE fighters approaching. As the two enemies engaged, the blackness of space was lit by beams from hundreds of laser cannons. The squadron leader spoke again. There's the target at the end of that trench on the Death Star surface. Begin bombing run. Now. X-Wings skimmed the trench time and again, but either missed the target or were shot down by TIE fighters. As Luke zoomed down into the trench, he glanced over his shoulder. Oh no. It's Darth Vader, and he's right on my tail! Vader prepared to fire. Suddenly, a familiar ship swooped down and sent Vader's fighters spinning off into space. Okay, kid, you're all clear. It was Han Solo and his Falcon. But the next voice Luke heard was Ben Kenobi's. Luke, use the Force. Let it guide your actions. Closing his eyes, Luke concentrated on the target and fired his proton torpedoes. They flew straight and true into the exhaust port. As Luke lifted away, the Death Star exploded in a dazzling ball of flame. Luke had succeeded with Han Solo's help. Back at the Rebels' secret base, the two received a hero's welcome. In a grand ceremony, Princess Leia placed medals around their necks while the joyful Rebel troops looked on. Luke Skywalker, the simple farm boy, had realized his dream and proved himself a leader in the Rebel cause.
All right. And with that, may the 4th be with you. Happy Star Wars Day. Uh, don't forget to come to our website, neverlandpodcast.com, where I have a lot of links where you can uh, find your Audible free trial, a lot of ways that you can help support this podcast. Also, make sure that you go on to iTunes and Stitcher and subscribe and take the time to give us a review. That way more people can find us. Make sure you tell your friends about all the fun you're having. Share links on social media to uh, lead people back here to the Neverland podcast. Send me an email at podcast at neverlandpodcast.com or to Neverland to podcast at neverlandpodcast.com. Let me know what you think of the show. Let me know what you'd like to hear. Maybe share a few stories of how you've enjoyed something particular from your childhood. You can also send a tweet to at neverlandpcast. Also find us on Facebook at neverlandpodcast.com slash neverlandpodcast. Make sure you like us on there and follow us on on. on Twitter as well. Uh, but yeah, go ahead and communicate with me through social media. I do enjoy that as well to let me know that you're enjoying the show or something you would also like to hear on the show. Would you like to hear some Sailor Moon? Something a little bit more on Gem of the Holograms? Stuff that I'm just really not planning to cover, but I might cover sometime. You never know. If you're interested in cover and having me cover it, I will do it. But until next week, God bless. Keep that pixie in your pocket. Sprinkle around some of that pixie dust anytime that you need it to uh, make it your day just a little bit brighter. And come back next week. I have a very, very special guest. Uh, his name is Paul Berry. He is the host of A Window to the Magic, a wonderful, wonderful podcast. He's got thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners. A very, very great podcast. Yet he is a very down-to-earth, very humble guy. You're really going to like him. Uh, visit his website at windowtothemagic.com. You can find also a link to his website on neverlandpodcast.com if you don't feel like typing out window to the magic for whatever reason. Uh, but come to, come back next week. Uh, it's a great interview I've had with him and I'm very excited to share it with you next week. So make sure you come back. Bye. <laughs> Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.